Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings. Here we are at yet another awesome version of the Nonprofit Exchange. Our guest today is Dana Olivo. I have trouble with your name, Olivo. <laughs> First day with a new teeth. Uh, Dana and I have been uh, colleagues for a while, and I've grown to appreciate her work each time I hear her present. And we're talking about sponsors and donors and how to really keep that relationship at the highest level because it's good for them, it's good for us. We just need to know how to do the talk and create a system around that. So I'm not going to, Dan, I'm not going to waste any more time. I like for guests to introduce themselves. So tell us a, a wee bit, you know, a couple of minutes, your background and what prepared you for being able to, to do this powerful work on this topic. And then before you finish, talk about why you chose this. What is your passion for this? Oh, goodness. Um, well, you know, as Hugh said, my name is Dana Olivo, and I like to call myself the business birthing specialist. And the reason that um, I go by that title is because I like working with early stage and emerging entrepreneurs, whether they're nonprofit or for profit. So they're still in that birthing stage of their company. But I'm a business growth strategist at heart. And that is backed up. Um, let me turn off my phone here before I forget here. Okay. And I back that up with more than 40 years in marketing, business development, and sales. And that's where we get to around to the experience that we're talking about. Uh, creating donor and sponsor experience. I work with for-profit and non-profits. Um, to basically teach them how to build an infrastructure that brings customers to their door, that they can attract customers through their door, and ultimately create an experience where they come out as advocates on the back end. And that's where my background is. And I've, um, you've taught at uh, my live uh, Leadership Empowerment Symposium events, and, and you and I are cooking up an event uh, we're going to do that again in Florida. We come to Florida on a regular basis and have a following there. We're going to tag onto it a funding conference. And, and so that some of the stuff that we're talking about is, is going to be specifically talking about fund sourcing and activation and maintenance for those running charities. It could be running a church or a synagogue, um, a membership organization like a chamber of commerce it could be a cause based charity. Um, any any people doing, and really, these are social entrepreneurs. That's still your sweet spot. And that's exactly it. You know, this is, you know, whether you're dealing with um, for-profit companies, non-profit companies, churches, whatever, the thing to keep in mind is we're still dealing with a business. We're still dealing with entrepreneurs. And we have to, and, and we have to also keep in mind, we're still dealing with customers, whether they be sponsors, donors, whether they be customers, whether they be, you know, parishioners, you know, all of that, they're customers. And we have to keep that mindset when we're thinking about it. 
actually, you're you're so spot on. It it we um we tend to think things are going to happen because we have a charitable cause, right? And not really, um, mm-hmm. because we're not really good at defining why it's important and the impact of our work, and so we don't really attract the money that we deserve to attract because we're doing good work. Right. And so we have a lot of um, different themes that we deal with. And this, this nonprofit exchange that you're on has, has been going for three years, or every Tuesday for three years. We've interviewed specialists like you who've brought some really good content. So you're, you're in good company as are they today. So, so Dana, the, um, let's, let's set the stage a little bit. Um, what is your passion for helping early stage entrepreneurs, whether they're in a charity or business, what is your passion for helping them get their head around this really important topic of donor sponsorship? You, you want to get them, you want to keep them. What's your passion around that? My passion um, stems from um, failures in the past. That's where a lot of my passion comes from. The mistakes learned and wanting to teach others how to avoid those mistakes. Um, You know, working with small businesses, whether nonprofit or for-profit, but we're going to focus on for-profit, okay? Nonprofit. I mean, nonprofit, I'm sorry. Yeah. When, when you start a business, a nonprofit business, okay, you start it, it's, it's, it's cause-based generally, okay? Cause-based businesses are emotional, mm-hmm. okay? You're tapping into the emotion. That's what you're trying to do. Well, therefore, going after those customers, those sponsors and donors you need to match that emotion to those sponsors and donors in order to get them to buy in to your cause, right? Yeah. yeah. And so what my, where my purpose is, is teaching early stage entrepreneurs, there's a sequence to this. There's a sequence behind the research that has to go in to target those individuals that are more likely to emotionally buy into your cause, but also to understand what's that messaging that needs to be developed in order to reach those people. And not only on the sponsor donor side, but what about on the other side? The people who are coming in that need your services need your social platform. They're, they need what you're providing for your platform. Well, in business, whether it's a nonprofit, and you're right. We need to install sound business practices in right. the charities that we run or the religious institutions. It is a, it is a business with a whole lot more rules than a, than a for-profit business. Yeah. And so we're, we're regulated with good, good reason. Right. But it's beca- right. And then people can give us money and write it off on their taxes for good reason. Or sponsors can give us marketing money because we create value for everyone. Right. Uh, and so there's, there's a little different nuance for sponsors and donors. So let's, um, let's talk about what is the biggest, let's take the donor piece first. We, we ask people to donate and support a cause and this is what's going to happen. And then they kind of fall off by the wayside and they don't donate again, or they don't tell other people. What's the biggest problem that you see the gap that hasn't been filled with people running an organization 
in managing these donor relations? What's the biggest biggest gap that you see? Their structure. The, stru the structure that they put in place. Okay, it's one thing to get those donors, to get those sponsors to the door. But if you cannot create that experience that I talk about, which, is it, which involves the structure of the organization, then you're not gonna be able to carry them through and create that experience that's gonna turn them into advocates afterwards. And ultimately that's what we wanna do, is we wanna create our own sales team or our own promotional team on the back end because of the experiences that they had while working with our, our program. So, okay, turn that, that's, I get that, that's theory. Now turn it into practice. What, what does that structure look like? For somebody looking, listening to this and they go, wow, I, I need to maintain this relationship, but I don't know where to start. So what does that structure look like? Oh, goodness. <laughs> you can start so many different places. First of all, you have to get, put yourself in the mindset of the sponsor or the donor. Okay, what are they looking for? What are their expectations? They're expecting to get out of this relationship that they're with you on, okay? On the sponsor side, okay? Are they looking, are their expectations to, to um, really create a brand out there in the marketplace by helping you and creating more of a, a, a brand recognition on the social side, all right? On the donor side, are they really, do they want to feel empowered by helping something that they're really uh, emotional about? You know, what is it that they're expecting? The, most of the time, what you're going to be looking at is they want to be appreciated. And if they're not sh shown appreciation, all right, or they want to see transparency. And especially on the nonprofit side, because if they don't feel as though that their money is being utilized the way it should be utilized and as promised, chances are you're not going to get them back again. And that's what we want is we want these donors, these sponsors to come back again and again, especially when we have to depend on federal dollars as well. And those federal dollars can be pulled at any time. So it's really hard to get donors. <laughs> You know, yes, it is. We're competing with all these other charities out there. So it's really hard. And so we want to have a process of, of maintaining that relationship. And um, we don't think about the donors until it's time to donate again. Then we send out this panic letter, hey, we need your donation for next year. And we haven't talked to them all year. Right. And that's exactly it. That's what I'm talking about. They want to feel as though they're, they're appreciated. They want, to, they want and expect you to keep them in the loop. How are their dollars doing? What's happening? Okay. Show them the results. Give them the statistics. Ah. Yeah. Say that again. Say, yeah. that again. say that again. You need to consistently be communicating with them. You need to show them what their dollars are doing as far as your, your cause. What are those statistics? How many lives are you affecting? How many people are you helping with the dollars that, that they're giving you? Why are those important? <laughs> First of all, consider the fact that they're giving because they're, 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 they're passionate about their giving. And they want to make sure that you're using their money to make a difference. That's one reason, okay? They're passionate, and this is their way of contributing. 
And if you're not being transparent about it, they'll go somewhere else that's doing the same thing in hopes that they're going to be doing, you know, better. Well, and I think it's probably um, gratifying for donors to see, I gave this money, and you say, this is what we were able to do with your money. It's, you know, a perfect example is my husband and I, um, we like contributing to the SMILE organization, primarily because we had relatives in the past that have had cleft, um, cleft lips, okay? And there is an organization out there that help those that have deformed you know, lips, cleft lips or whatever that, that create these smiles. And these are children. And it really means a lot to us when we see, you know, one of these children being able to smile again and feeling good about, you know, what's happened after one of these surgeries. And these surgeries don't cost a lot in, you know, these foreign countries. That is such a great example. I, uh, several times in my life, I ran with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society and and pledged to raise three, four, five thousand for a for leukemia lymphoma research. Right. And at the race time, I was connected to a particular patient with a wristband, had their name on it, their age, and their condition, and right. so running for one person, but running for others. So I felt really purposed. And then going back to the people that donated for me to run, they were betting on whether I finish or not. I'm sure, but they 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 bet it, and they they donated that four or five thousand and I did the running. So we've been joined by uh, the good looking Russell Dennis out there in Denver, Colorado. He had a little technical issue before and he kind of snuck in here and he's um, he's got experience um, as sitting in the funding seat for 11 years. Is that right, Russ? Does your mic work? Good to see you, Dana. Hugh, Hi. see you. So uh, I haven't seen you since the last time we were on together. <laughs> yes, that's been Far too long. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so with donors, you know, one of the things that I find with people is there's just something magic about face-to-face contact. Right. If you can have some non-ask events where you're not asking for money, just bring people in. Bring them in to meet some of the people that are benefiting from their dollars. Have a tour of your facility. Uh, talk to other people, show them, show them the exciting things that their money is doing. Yeah. Uh, and just keeping them in the loop. You know, some people are going to want to be contacted more than others, but it's really having, having a system to keep track of people and to keep those connections doing. It's really something that if you can, you should have a, a, a a single person try to keep, uh, keep the uh, flow going. Right. And Executive that's the director will do a lot of the face to face, but you, you want somebody to keep uh, keep that communication loop open. And, and that's exactly what I was saying is, you know, you just need to communicate with them. You need to involve them in the process, show them how their dollars are working, you know, and, and help them be involved in it. You know, as far as that's concerned, um, you know, what I tell some of my clients, you know, first of all, the donors aren't mind readers, okay? And if you're not communicating with them, they're going to assume. And you don't want them assuming. You want them to feel comfortable with where their dollars are being spent and that they're making a difference. Am I right? That's Am I right, on. Russell? <laughs> That's spot on, you know. And, yes. And, uh, you know, at least you, you can survey. It's really just asking, how are we doing? 
What would you like to see more of? But they won't know what they want to see more of if they right. don't know what you're doing. Right. So keeping well, them in the loop's important. Surveying them. Is yeah. Well, do. serving on one of the boards for one of the local um, nonprofits here, one of the biggest things that nonprofits do run into is um, the budget cuts with federal dollars. I, I was w- sitting on the, Ho- the Board of Hope and Health, which is AIDS awareness, AIDS, you know, uh, HIV. AIDS awareness. And one of the biggest struggles we had were the fact that the other agencies like ours were fighting for these federal dollars. And we didn't really have in place any kind of public inflow or or what we did have was very little. All we had was one major annual event that we did. And that event only happened once a year. And the dollars that we have to spend on expenses happen every month. So that's where these sponsor dollars, you know, and donor dollars come in is why should we have to rely only on federal money, which constantly is being cut back. And we never know whether we're going to have it year to year because there's other agencies fighting for it. So how do we build those relationships with donors that are, we can count on every year? And that's where we're going with this um, is the fact that through transparency and by creating that donor experience that we can count on every year because we're meeting each other's needs on both sides, that's where we're going to be able to overcome that issue of the gap between the dollars we need and the dollars that are coming in. Yeah, and that's a that's a, the consistency. There's a rhythm to that communication. So, what's the mechanism uh, that you suggest that people um, stay in touch? I just think sending an, an email occasionally is not the answer, is it? Well, I have. Well, first of all, I did a. Um, I, I did kind of use because we're talking about um, relationships, okay, and creating an experience. It all boils down to service. That's what it's all about, is servicing your donors. So I kind of use that as an acronym, and I kind of built kind of seven guidelines using the word service, all right? And the first is S, which, is, which talks about scalable. And what I mean by service, the S in service is deliver an awesome donor experience that scales as your company grows. Mm. Okay, Mm -hmm. this involves knowing your donor, you know, how do you make, you know, their giving decisions? How do they make their giving decisions and understanding that? That's where this research comes in. All right. Why would they donate? The E is for essential. And what that is today, there's no shortage of tools available for, for, you know, gathering predictive data on sponsors and donors. But the problem is, is just getting that data is not enough. You need to understand and know what's happening in the background. What's the chatter that's going on in the background that really speaks to what's really important, okay? Because most of your research is built around the dollars that are given. Your, 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 most of your primary research is based or dollars given in the, in this event. But there's chatter that happens out in the ether. There's chatter that's going on, what we call deep data mining. 
We need to understand that. We need to be monitoring that and combining that. Okay? R is for relatable. And what relatable is, is when you're in the fundraising mode, it's important to listen and understand what motivates your donors. What's important to them? Okay? V, I, I say it's for valuable. Intuitively, most people recognize the value of great customer service or donor service, but the same, but what are the causes? What causes, how do I say this? Um, causes that deliver value are ones that the sponsors will want to interact with. We want to create engagement. They'll become more loyal as long as they can become engaged. So this is where we get back to what we were talking about before as far as communicate with them, get them involved, invite them in, hold, you know, uh, events that you're not trying to gather their money. What you're doing is bringing awareness. All right. Um, I've got a, a, you know, and a perfect example is I've got a 30 year old niece who is Down syndrome. Okay. And because of this, I find myself being drawn to organizations that are committed to creating healthy, independent living um, spaces, environments for Down syndrome individuals. You know, and some of those, what they do is it's providing a lifestyle where these Down syndrome individuals are creating and, and giving back to society, you know, um, and, those are the kind of organizations that I get involved with because they're close to my heart. So it's important for us to be able to relate to why the donor is giving. So I is for involvement. The donor experience involves a top-down approach, and this is key, all right? When the donor gives... They want to know that they're giving to the organization and that it's being recognized from the very top, not just from the people who are there, you know, um, uh, you know, the representatives, the, le the local representatives or whatever. They want to feel as though they're recognized from the top, from the directors of these organizations. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. C is for credible. And this is a given, okay? Trust is the backbone to credibility. It's important that you do what you say you're going to do and when you say you're going to do it. So be consistent in your promises. Be transparent and communicating with, with sponsors. All of this is a given. We've known this all along. This is what comes with credibility. And then finally, E is for what's expected. Deliver what they expect. Mm. Talked about that earlier. Did you make them feel valued? Did you treat them like they're important? You know, did you anticipate their needs for giving? You know, did you make them make it easy for them to engage? This is another thing. If you don't make it easy for them to donate, they're not going to jump through hoops. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did you show them that you cared? Did they feel loved? These are all important. This is where, you know, these are the seven steps that I see that need to be built into the infrastructure or the structure 
that's going to develop that relationship, that donor relationship that's going to keep them coming back time and time again. I remember that model. That's very helpful. Give us the acronym again and the, the, the words for service. each time. Right. It's service. S, um, let me get back up here. S is for scalable. Mm-hmm. E is for essential. R is for relatable. V is for valuable. I is for involved or involvement. C is for credible. And E is for expected. It sounds like, uh, Russ, she's got a page out of your your playbook. She's got her own playbook, and it's wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. You know, that's, that's one of the beauties of talking to brilliant people like Dana. We, I learn more all the time. You can never learn too much. And uh, it's creating that experience and value. You know, that almost seemed to be a dirty word around uh, charities. You know, nobody would use the word value, but you're in the value creation business. That's really what it's all about. Like I said, it doesn't matter whether you're nonprofit, for-profit, you know, whatever. You know, that experience, ultimately we're in to to, um, I don't want to say to make money, okay? Because that's not generally what a nonprofit is all about. A nonprofit is about, cre- you know, creating an environment that helps others, okay? Whatever it is. But it takes money to do that. Yeah. So, therefore, you have to find that money, right? And well, sure, yeah, sure. We all get yeah. <laughs> with so many different bottom lines. Because you've got funding agencies, you've got foundations, you've got individual donors who come in all shapes and sizes. Uh, you've got regulators, you've got media, you, you've got people, yep. clients. So you've got all of these bottom lines and everybody has a different thing that that is most important to them. And so it's yep. juggling all of that is, is at the center of relationship building. And it's asking questions. It's talking to people, keeping them informed, asking what they want to see more of. What do they like? What yep. do we keep doing? What should yep. we stop doing? What would you like to see more of? It's just yep. constant contact, which is the name of yep. it. Well, most nonprofits, they get so wrapped up in the cause that they don't worry about the business side of things. And they don't, and I wouldn't say don't worry. They don't think that they need the business side of things because they're so wrapped around the cause that they feel as though putting that cause out there is going to attract. And that's not necessarily the case. All right. You have to treat it just like a business. You've got a message you've got to put out there. You've got research you've got to do to identify who is most likely to contribute financially to the growth of this cause of this, of this nonprofit, you know, um, who are the organizations that we can count on as sponsorships to support us when we need it? Well, all of those is, is there's, there's, a, there's a science behind it. There's a science behind growing nonprofits as well as for-profits. Absolutely. Absolutely. So before we switch over to the, the sponsor track, um, Russ, he's the one that asks, asks the real hard questions now. Um, are you, have you got a question or a comment for her besides what you've already said? Well, you know, I was thinking about sponsors versus donors, but we're getting ready to roll into that. The one thought I did have was like with, with starting an organization, a nonprofit or socially responsible 
uh, business. It's our baby, and we we just love it. We we birthed it. We throw it over our shoulder. We burp it, uh, and we can really get lost because the important thing is what other people who are impacted by the organization value. It's not necessarily what I think is valuable. It's what the people I want to try to serve think is valuable. And there's so many different ones. That's where it gets complicated. That's where there's a lot it of is. It is. It is very complicated, you know, and I think you will agree with me. You know, you can't rely on just one source. Uh, you know, you have to integrate the, the levels. It's almost like having different revenue streams. All right. Um, even in the for-profit side, I tell my clients, you know, you don't rely on just one revenue stream. You know, you don't rely only on funding grants. You know, you don't rely only on certain things because what you're going to find is those grants are going to be yanked and you're not going to have it coming in anymore. And you've got people you've got to pay. You've got, you know, um, uh, clients that are yours that you, you promise services and now you can't afford to, to, to deliver. You know, so you have to give a you have to develop a diversified approach to bringing money into a nonprofit. You know, from the donor side, you know, from the sponsor side, from you know, uh, even legacy. You know, look at legacies. Get people involved enough to where they're so passionate about it that they'll leave you um, mentioned in their wills. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of things. Absolutely. You know, what even makes that more challenging is that it's important to have those multiple streams, but only as many as you can manage well. <laughs> yes. So it, it's the phased and systematic growth with first things first that takes all of the, the planning and the building of the right structure, the strategy, so that you don't get overwhelmed and you grow to all of these different sources. But you need as many as you can, but only as many as you can manage well. You're and, absolutely and, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then the other thing to keep in mind, though, when you're setting up your revenue streams, you know, how you're going to bring your money in, you also need to be looking at, okay, what are your monthly expenses? What mm-hmm. is it that you need to have every month so that you can plan this? And that's where even in a nonprofit, you have to have a cash flow analysis. You have to have to have a cash flow statement, you know, because you can't go on a wing and a prayer. I'm sorry. You know, you still have expenses. You have services you have to deliver. You have to do, and it costs money. My, my son, um, I love him dearly and he's extremely intelligent, but all his life he has wanted to live off the land. He does not want to rely on anything. And, um, you know, growing up, I always told him, I said, you know, sweetheart, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I think that's great. But I says, how are you going to get the land? You need money. How are you going to get the seeds to grow your vegetables? You need money, you know? So there's, you, you've got, there's a science to it. You have to plan this stuff. And this is what we're talking about. That's the, that's the anchor, the foundation um, underneath all of this. So let's pivot over, if y'all are ready, let's pivot over to the sponsor side of things. Now, the the donors are making a philanthropic gift. Yes. And they Their gift, um, their return on investment is really the return on life that, that we give people in this sector, ROL. So mm-hmm. they want to see something happen and what 
you've done a very good job of describing so far as staying in touch with them, let them know what the results are from your, your money. Um, now, sponsors are, are not making donations. They're spending marketing money. Right. They want their brand associated with your brand. And there's right. challenges with sponsorship. So talk about that channel a little bit and then how to get top of mind with those sponsors and how to stay there. Well, you know, first of all, um, sponsorship dollars, when, when someone is sponsoring a nonprofit, they're doing it for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, the credibility, the connection, all right, to whoever it is that they're sponsoring, okay? Secondly, um, you know, definitely for tax purposes, you know, all of this other stuff, all right? But more importantly than anything, they're looking for a direct connection to whoever it is that they're sponsoring and that brand that comes with it, okay? The credibility, you know, um, the, the, um, the recognition that comes with that, that sponsorship, all right? Now, to get those sponsors, though, comes that data that we're talking about, the statistics. Most sponsors want to see those statistics and that data of what your cause or what your platform has done. So there has to be some kind of a history there for them to feel good enough to be able to sponsor. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because yeah. there is um, there's a negative brand reputation if your brand isn't good enough. Right. So they want to verify that it's going to give them a, a positive spin on their brand. Right, right. And as much as they can be connected to any messaging, marketing, whatever is going out, the better. So if you've got a, a nonprofit and you're developing videos and you're doing, um, you know, things like that, they want to be involved in that in one way or another as a sponsor. Um, you know, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, sponsorship is sponsorship. Yeah. And basically, they want to... They want to see how many eyeballs they want to create um, energy coming back to their business. In, in addition to what you have with the uh, for-profit sponsorships, you have, um, there's an affinity. Sponsors usually come on with something they have a passion for or they want to see happen, or it's, right. a, it's a philanthropic piece to the sponsorship. It's still right. marketing dollars, but they have, they have a, like you said, there's an emotional piece to this. Um, and then there's some rules around sponsorship, like we can't do a direct call to action from a, from a nonprofit. There's that IRS category of unrelated business income that then becomes taxable. So there's a different protocol in the back end, but it's really, we're still representing the brand and the brand value and the brand promise and the brand identity for right. those sponsors. So, so continue. Um, um, well, I'm looking at this. This is very one, helpful. Yeah. One of the other things that um, most nonprofits uh, don't realize is it's always, I wouldn't say it's always, it's most known for the for-profits sponsoring nonprofits. Okay. It's the, the, the nonprofits are looking for the for-profits to bring money in. Okay, what they're not taking into consideration is what they can bring going out. All right, for instance, like with our funding conference, Hugh, that we're talking about that you're a sponsor of, you know, Center, Center Vision Vision uh, Leadership. All right, so in order for me and my company 
to be able to go out for community dollars, I needed a nonprofit arm, all right? So that's where that value can come in with a nonprofit. And there's another income stream that come, can come in by doing that, by partnering synergistically, strategically partnering. Yeah, that we, sense? it does. We, we have some regulations on how the money flows, but we, right. that's why you have a good accountants to help you set up those systems. So that's, that's exactly right. And um, money is a, a value exchange, right? Yes. And we're not really good at, at describing the value. Now, um, I see a lot of charities get sponsors, and they put up a banner, put their name in the program, and they mention them. Um, so there's not a whole lot of value received for a sponsor and there's no checking for what are your expectations? How does this fit into your overall marketing plan? So give us some more ideas of how we can create those lasting relationships with sponsors. Well, and that's where we go right back to what we were talking about on the donor side. Okay. We need to understand what their expectations are. Okay. What do they expect out of this sponsorship? Is it, you know, are they looking to participate? Are they looking to just have, you know, their brand brought in? You know, we've got to look at what are their expectations? You know, what are their needs? They, they may have specific needs that they're looking at with their sponsorship, mm-hmm. right? Are they looking to break into um, an environment that may need their services, either legally or, or, or say, you know, financially or whatever, you know, they may be sponsoring because it's going to introduce them to a different market that they could bring in as clients. So we have to, yeah, we have to look at and we have to understand what their expectations are in order for them to keep coming back. Hey, Russ, I bet you're liking that one. It's true. What we're talking about here is a value for value exchange. Yeah. And with with the nonprofit, you know, money is very important, but it's not everything. It's not the reason that the nonprofit is set up for. So what is that value you can exchange? What is it that the sponsor is looking for? Um, Do you have a synergy where your values are concerned? Uh, Are you going to expose them to new customers? This is a piece of this metric that we're Mm -hmm. talking about. How much media exposure are they going to get? You know, we're talking about goodwill. We're talking about make more bang for the buck. This is why if they run out of sponsorship money, if they like what you've got, they'll dip into some marketing dollars because you could actually get them a lot more bang for the buck. And you have to understand as you approach a sponsor, you know, if you can do that, and it, there's an art to it, you, you have to have a conversation with them. And uh, right. uh, is it possible that you can have a multi-year agreement? Yeah, if you're going to go in and talk to them, you might as well swing for the fence instead of having a one and done. Uh, try to try to build that relationship and see what makes sense. Put some markers in there so that you can grow it. But you want to keep these folks coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so there's a difference. You know, a lot of people mistake sponsorship for donation. You know, they'll go out, the charity, they'll go out and they'll talk to businesses. We've got this event. We'd like some donate, some auction items mm-hmm. and, and these types of things. So, 
you've got donations on one hand and, and, and sponsorship on the other. A donation is something they just give you. But right. they're looking for a value-for-value value exchange uh, in, a, in a pure sponsorship. So they'll look at who else has sponsored you, you know. One of the questions they'll have in their minds is, okay, uh, let's just take Apple and Google for an example. You know, you go to Apple and say, hey, I've got this event. And it could be like a STEM event where you're trying to bring in right. girls and you want to have Apple be a sponsor. One of the questions they're going to have is, if we don't do this, will Amazon do it? Will right. Microsoft do it? That's will exactly Google it. do it? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they may want some exclusivity. You, you never know. That would be a darn good problem to have. To have yes, it would. <laughs> Definitely it would. But you're absolutely right. You know, we, you know, understanding what their expectations are, you know, um, uh, a nonprofit, and they get hit by nonprofits all the time. So they, they have to weigh the value that's coming out of their sponsorship dollars. Yeah. They're going to be giving away. What's this? How's this going to benefit me? And, yeah. you know, am I going to be fighting against competition? Am I going to be fighting against my, my uh, morals, my cultures? You know, is, yeah. does it match? And all of those have to be, t- and, and us as a nonprofit have to be looking at that before we even approach them because those are the questions they're going to ask. And if we're not prepared to answer them, you know, chances are we're going to lose them. Well, you know, I, it's from what I've, I've, I've learned from, from other people, you know, who've been successful at getting sponsorships, some of what they do is actually approaching people. They, they do their homework. They do a lot of research and they try to approach the right people and they ask questions. Mm-hmm. And people approach grant funders in the same manner. It's just building the relationships, looking at who might be a fit, and actually reviewing their website, reviewing whatever media material you have available, uh, and then calling a the program officer or calling the appropriate person at the corporate headquarters <laughs> to ask them for a short informational interview, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, Do your homework so that you're not asking them stuff that's uh, readily available. That can put a dent in your credibility right off the bat. But you ask some questions to find out what's not between the lines, what's not written, to get a feel for what sort of stuff they they look for, what they're proud of, uh, what did you do that worked, and, and to ask what sort of events that they sponsored before. And if it looks like you can deliver something that might be important to them, ask them if you can send them a proposal. Yes, that's exactly. You're not not sending something out here blind and and doing that with private foundations saves you a lot of time, especially if you don't have a lot of resources or grant writers to go do it. It's having those conversations. They remember you. Now, you might have to make some adjustments in your language. You don't want to shift who you are and what you're about and what you're doing. But you may need to adjust the language to put it in the proposal to persuade them to fund you. Right. 
Right. One of the things I have run into in the past also, if you're starting a new nonprofit or if in your in the early stages, um, a lot of times you will find that some nonprofits will try and beef things up in their proposals, try and beef them up over and above what they are. And it needs to be understood that you're going to be vetted. You're going to be vetted. And it's important that you are credible and transparent in everything that you do. Otherwise, you're going to lose those sponsorships, those donors, anything that you're going after. And this is what a lot of nonprofits um, run into sometime is the fact that they're not able to back up either with social proof or data or anything. They're not able to back up what they're all about. Okay, it's just I've started a nonprofit and that's it. So this is where you run into issues sometimes when you're trying to raise money for a nonprofit. And it's it's tough. It's just like with a for-profit business. You know, a lot of times in the very beginning, you're doing it out of your pocket. You are self-funding quite a bit. But you want to stop that because that runs out. So you're, what you're hitting around is that we need to be professionals at running the organization. Yeah, like a business. Um, a lot of cause-based charities, people have expertise or passion about the cause and zero ability to run a business. So yeah. I, I encourage those people to get an, yeah. at least an admin, maybe executive director, and maybe what I've started suggesting that organizations do is to create a position we're calling a funds strategists. So they look at the map, the roadmap, your strategic plan, your solution map. It says where you're going to be and how you're going to get there. Right. And then we've which, got targeted budget items for those one year, two year out into. Which the, is where a cash flow statement comes in. Because a cash flow statement, when you think about it, okay, right. what you're doing is you are breaking down your revenue streams. You're breaking it down, you know, you know, two years, three years. But what you're doing is you're breaking it down on a monthly basis so that you know what your goals are to meet your expenses, your staffing, everything, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. When, and we don't do that. And what we do sometimes is do a cash flow analysis, which is the rear view mirror, brake lights. Yeah. What we need is a cash flow forecast. That's the headlights. Right. And, and um, we don't think about that a lot. We get, we get this lump of money from a will of a quest or a grant, we have a whole bunch or we did an event and we were very successful. We raised some money. And so we, what you're talking about is we talk about when it's going to run out Yeah. and how do we use when we're making presentations, we want to talk about use, use of funds. We're use raising this fund. money. Here's what the impact is going to be. We're going to use it for this. Right. And we measure that. And if you're good at it and Russell talked about the value exchange, we're going to attract more money if we're really good at attracting the first money. So right. there's a, there's a skill in learning how to make the presentations and attract the money. Um, and we don't give equal time to that. And it's like we build a car. We build this, this, this great, this great thing and we fill the seats with our team members, but yeah. we don't learn to drive the car and we haven't put gas in it, which is the yeah. money. And the other thing to keep in mind too is um, especially on the cash flow side, okay, the reason we deal with a cash flow is because a lot of nonprofits, they depend on donors and they get donor promises, okay? Those promises don't come in right away. So it's important to understand, okay, 
on a cash flow statement, those donor promises are not going to pay the bills until those, those checks come in. Mm-hmm. So that's where I, I talk about, okay, let's make it easy for them to donate as opposed to making a promise and then we have to keep chasing them for the dollars. Let's make the process easier in order to get those donation dollars in or their sponsorship dollars in. I know when they do a, um, a pledge week at NPR, they say, give us, you know, give us your card and you can do a recurring, recurring do- a donation on your credit card. And so you'll give every month. And they go for the monthly recurring smaller donations rather than bigger, bigger lump sums. And I think that's probably better in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because then you know what's coming in every single month. It, it doesn't mean we ignore them, though. We may need to create the program you're talking about of staying in touch. So a, a fund strategist would construct funding programs to support the strategic plan, your targets, your budgets for each phase of your development. And then your cash flow statement it projects how long the money that you raised is going to last. Right. You'll, you'll run dry if you don't have that recurring revenue. That's absolutely um, right. So sponsors are unique, and we'll, we'll do a whole show on sponsors here coming up soon, but it's a very unique um, pathway. There are, you've talked about multiple streams of revenue. There are eight, not counting real estate. There are eight different streams of revenue, and donors and sponsors are right at the top. Right. Those are dependable. They're regular. Typically, um, grants are for special purposes, but if you do a good job with a sponsor, you've asked what they want, here's your expectations, how does it fit in your marketing plan, and you create results for them, then there's no reason for them to stop. So this piece, the service piece that you're talking about, is absolutely essential for regular recurring revenue, isn't it? It is. And, you know, when you think about the fact that the number of nonprofits out there fighting for these same sponsors. Yeah. yeah. So it's not as though they don't have enough organizations wanting their sponsorship dollars. How are you going to keep yourself at top of mind as far as these sponsors are concerned? And this is where meeting their expectations and understanding that is how you're going to keep them with you. And what they're going to do is they're going to turn around and they're going to convince others yeah. to come in as sponsors. And that's what the whole service, you know, the, the, the sponsorship service, the, the relationship that you're developing, that's what the end goal is, is to keep them in the pipeline and have them turn into your own advocates on the back end to create more sponsors for you. Oh, that's so, so well put. So yeah. we're going to um, have a sponsor moment here and then come back to you and ask for you to give a closing thought or a tip. Russell, before we do the, the sponsor um, uh, promotion, do you have um, some comments or questions for Dana? You know, one of the, one of the things that, that I would ask or that people talk about uh, in the question that I get, I don't always have a good answer for it, for very new nonprofits, what's the best way for them to approach attaining sponsorship and on what scale should they uh, aim for? I told you he had the hard questions. Yes. You know, and I've dealt with a few very early nonprofits um, as far as that's concerned. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. What is the best approach? Well, 
relationships by far. Okay. Yeah. You've got to have those relationships. You can't just go in, you know, and say, look, I've started a nonprofit. This is it. You know, um, are you willing to donate or, or sponsor me? All right. So those relationships are, are critical. The other thing is, is look at really strategically look at what your needs are from the sponsors and match up those sponsors first before you approach them and start to just start developing those relationships. If you need media, if you need uh, printing, if you need, you know, um, uh, marketing, you know, all of that, look at what your needs are because if you're very early on and you try go, going to a Google or an Amazon or something, chances are you're not going to get it, okay? Go with your local companies. Go with some of your, you know, the, the people that network. Get out there and network. <clears throat> you know, possibly um, uh, do some, some events, you know, some free events like, like um, uh, you know, walkathons or, you know, or something to that effect to where you can get people involved and bring donations in that way. And through that, then the sponsors are going to be more apt to donate some dollars because they're, they're branding themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, that's a lot of good stuff in here, Dana. You've, um, you've hit on some really important topics today. I want to talk about our sponsor for this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. It's WordSprint. Spread as in fast, wordsprint.com. Bill Gilmer and his team have done decades of research on this very topic. Why do donors keep donating? So what Bill is good at constructing is a direct mail program, mail mail. They get it in their hands. It's on their desk. Um, he's got a very, very sophisticated program. It's easy for you. And he's got a mailing house and he helps you get the three pillars of success, the right message to the right person in the right rhythm. I think it looks fancy. Well, only 10% of the equation is, is, is the look. So it needs to look clean. And so Bill will give, give you a free consultation and he actually executes on what Dan is talking about. He prints nonprofit performance magazine. He does our donor relations. So quarterly, our donors get a letter uh, in with the magazine or a separate piece that says, this is what's happening because you're supporting us. Right. And his research shows that the donations not only stay consistent, but they go up and they increase because what you're saying, they're enthusiastic and they share others. So wordsprint.com is the website. They print nonprofit performance 360 magazine. It's a stunning job, but really it's what you referred to earlier for your donors. It's top of mind marketing. Yeah. And top of mind is like, well, a lawnmower uh, service runs an ad every week Buy a lawnmower. We have lawnmowers at this price. Well, I look at it and I say, that's interesting. Well, I don't need a lawnmower, so I'm not going to go buy one. One day, my lawnmower breaks. <laughs> well, I'm now remembering I've seen these ads coming up consistently, so I'm going to go to this place and say, I'll remember you. I want to buy your lawnmower. So Bill Gilmer has the same kind of processes in place for donor relations, wordsprint.com. We use them and we recommend that you do. So, Dana, we're on the final wrap here. We got a couple of minutes left. And 
So you've given us a whole lot of things to think about, really rich content. What do you want to leave people with? A tip, a thought, a challenge? What do you want to leave people with? I, I guess the, the, the biggest challenge I want to leave people with is that one of the biggest challenges I fight all the time with my clients is think before you jump. Think before you jump, okay? Think about the process. Think about the sequence. Think about the strategy behind what you're doing before you jump. Because when you're dealing with limited dollars, you don't have dollars to waste. And you want to make sure that those dollars go as far and as fat and, you know, as, as efficiently as you can make them go. And the only way you're going to do that is to think about what you're spending those dollars on. Very sage advice. Um, Russell, thanks for joining us. I know you had a little challenge getting up today, but thanks for being here, Dana. Thank you for the wonderful, useful content today. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.